0: Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, And on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term Show, I sit down with Fabio Campanella and Joseph Lapresti. Fabio has been on the podcast previously. We've talked about different tax things going on with real estate, different financial planning, great resource. And he actually recommended that he come back in with Joseph Lapresti. I'm so thankful that he did because Joseph is a Canadian tax lawyer. And the topic that we chose to discuss today is about flipping properties and how CRA views you when you decide to buy and then Quickly sell a property and claim it as your primary place of residence. So no one has really broken this out as clearly as I just heard from Joseph. So I really think this is an important podcast to listen to if you're involved in real estate in any manner. Just, just almost from the framework in which CRA looks at us as real estate investors and looks at you as a citizen of the country. And you have the onus on you to prove a lot of different things. So I really think it was valuable. The way he broke it down was really nice, and we could have got into more discussion, but I cut off the podcast because we could have got into what he is seeing CRA looking at right now and what CRA is focusing on. So I think we're going to bring Joseph back in a little bit to talk about exactly that, because I think it's great for all of us to understand what CRA is putting different focuses on. And uh, I just think you're going to take a lot of information away from this call when it when it comes to buying and selling real estate. So thank you, Joseph, for listening to this. Um, sorry. Thank you, Joseph, for listening to this, what I'm talking about. Thank you, Joseph, for coming on the podcast and and sharing this information and Fabio for for organizing this one. I really appreciate it. So if you are listening to this and you want to get some real estate investing information to start figuring out if it's the right move for you, the number one requested thing from us is one of the copies of the books that we have on rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. The book that started it all was Income for Life for Canadians, but we have three other books in there, the newest being the Blueprint book, you'll see that we have a real estate investing blueprint book on there. We give away that information for free as an attempt to share enough valuable information that perhaps one day you'll work with us. But even if you don't, we want you to have the information. So there's four different books on there. The Your Life, Your Terms book is really interesting because every chapter of the book is written by a different Canadian that we've helped with a real estate investing adventure of their own. So they share their reasons for getting into real estate, how they went about doing it. Everyone does it differently. Their goals, some people are trying to build capital. Cash flow Some people are trying to build equity, some people are banking on appreciation, so you'll read the different stories in that book. That's the Your Life, Your Terms book, and those are all available at www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's it. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the your life, your turn show. With Tom and Nick Carrazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with Fabio Campanella. It's two Italians. I can't believe it's two Italians here. <laughs> Fabio Campanella and Joseph Lapresti. Yes. Lapresti? Lapresti. Yeah, you got it. All right. Um and uh, we talked to you, Fabio. You had the idea about this, which I think is super valuable. So I'm just going to dive right into it because Joseph it. sounds like he knows from his stuff from our initial talks here with Nick. Yeah. Um, what What is going on with people who buy properties and flip properties over and over from a tax code situation right now in Canada? Pretty much.
1: Yeah. That's that's the big topic I wanted to. Cover. Yeah.
0: So dive into it. Like, what happens? I buy a property. I f- I fix up the property. I sell the property. No. I buy the property. Let me ask you this: I buy the pro- I buy a property, I move into the property,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, I fix it up, and I sell the property. Right now, it's my primary place of residence. I don't have to pay tax, correct?
1: Sure, it's that easy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but like the,
0: it's never a good sign when somebody. With, I know you're not an accountant, but with your designations and a tax lawyer, both laugh when you put, yeah. put that out there. But uh, but yeah, so tell me tell me how that would work in that particular situation. Okay, I buy a house. Move into it, fix it up, and I sell it. Six month window. What was your intention? My intention, yeah. What do you think? I haven't dealt with lawyers before. Yeah. My intention was to move into that beautiful house for my family. Okay. Be- my intention was to live there with my family. Okay.
1: So let's rewind so that I can answer this question. Okay. okay? And I'm not going to get super technical because the guy to my left is going to get super technical. Okay. okay. Let's distinguish between a capital gain and an adventure in the nature of trade or business. Okay. Imagine you buy a tree and this tree produces apples. Okay. And then you set up a little stand, you pick apples every year for the next 20 years and you sell apples. Okay. The apple sales, that's business income. You eventually down the road want to retire. You sell the tree. That's probably a capital gain. However, If you buy a plot of land, plant seedlings, and then sell the trees, you're still selling a tree, but it's business income, okay? What is your intention with the asset that you're buying? That is the basis upon which the CRA will make the determination of whether this is business income or a capital gain. It must be a capital gain, per se, in order to qualify for the principal residence exemption, It cannot have been purchased with the intention, the clear intention to flip it with for a profit.
0: And so how is that clear intention defined in, I don't know, CRA's eyes or the legal? I don't understand how that clear intention is defined because can't my intention also just as a human being change? Like, can't I legitimately say, yeah, my intention is because that's that happens all the time. People move into a property, say, hey, I'm going to live here. They move into the property. They don't like the neighbor. And they're like, I'm out of here. Now, so they might ought to be they might have fixed it up and sold it, and their intention might have very well been, "I'm going to live there with my family." But three months in, they're out. Yeah, I'm let him. Take, take this, this is uh, an interesting point. so you're you're
2: right. It comes down to how do you prove the intention? if when you say to the government, when the government comes knocking and they're saying, "Well, wait a sec, you sold this property within six months." So in the government's mind, if they look they look at the time period that you owned it and then sold it. So if that period is typically under a year, the presumption the government has is that you must have intended to flip it. That's, their, that's what they're walking in. So they'll look at any house that you bought, any home, property that was bought and is sold less than a year, and they'll, they'll come in thinking you must have intended to flip it. So now the question is, how do okay, you so, prove? Okay, so on that point, because yes. I want to get to
0: how do you prove. So that's their operating default. If it's sold under a year, CRA is going to assume you were flipping.
2: That is what I've seen in experience and, and in practice. Now the government has they, they don't just say intent is a big thing. The courts have said intent is a big thing, but there's six factors. There's not just intent. So the the factors that the government will look at is number oh, one. I knew I knew yeah, bringing there, in a lawyer. I knew bringing is, in a tax lawyer I,
0: into this was going to get 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 sticky. But okay, <laughs> okay, yeah. Go, let's go I'm through gonna, the six yeah, factors. we'll
2: we'll go through the six factors. Joseph, we'll see how fa- it affects.
0: Fa- Fabio's been on this podcast before. I, I, can you just let everybody know a bit about your experience before you dive into these? Six yes, factors? of course.
2: So I am a tax litigator. so what I do is I get involved when people have a tax problem that go beyond Fabio's capabilities. And what I mean is you're gonna get into court, you're going to get into a legal situation. Uh, there are steps before you actually have to go to court. So typically, a normal audit comes in. I would say Fabio would be involved, and your accountant would generally be a good person to actually deal with the CRA right at the at the outset. Because there is some concern if you show up, you get an audit letter, and you show up right away with a tax lawyer, there is some concern that the government might think, wait, what's going on? You've got a tax lawyer? They'll expect yeah, to it. see the accountant, but not necessarily the tax lawyer. Now, usually, if I have to get involved, because either the accountant is in, or the accountant doesn't want to touch this, then typically I usually get involved in saying, hey, you know, by the way, like I know this person, I've known them and they kind of came to me because they know this is what I do. And nine times out of 10, that's actually the, the reality of the situation. So typically if you can't convince the auditor, so if the auditor comes and says, no, we think your intent was to flip it and we're going to nail you with business income. On an income tax side. And then even worse, we're gonna nail you on GST later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So on yeah. top of it, because as you know everybody forgets
0: about it, yeah. Yeah. yeah if you yeah.
2: sell used property, then there's no GST. But if it all of a sudden, if you the government interprets that if you intended to flip it, then that's an adventure of nature of trade. So they'll say, Oh, when you sold it, you should have charged HST. So now on a home that's worth you know, don't say two million dollars, now you're looking at two hundred and sixty grand of additional HST that should have been collected. So that's a that's another problem that comes after. So usually they don't do, there's a different department that deals with income tax and GST. So you'll either get, usually you'll get the income tax first, but increasingly we're saying a GST assessment first, because if you think about it, if there's GST that's exigible and you as the, seller didn't collect the hst well now that's an expense for income tax purposes so when you factor in the 260 you should have paid the tax department you're probably looking at an income tax loss you're not looking anymore at a gain whatever your gain is is usually out the window in most cases but let's just go back to the the test the factors that the government will look at What was the
0: language you use the your adventures in in it's an adventure
2: and concern in the nature of trade I love the fact that the word adventure is yeah. used in here. Like,
0: <laughs> give me a break yeah, already. you are going to go on a legal adventure. That's yeah, okay, for sure. we're on a legal adventure you know, that I don't want to even go on. But it, yeah, no, it's important. It's, no, it's important. But, but
2: it's interesting. I think they took that concept from like a case in the 1950s where that's somebody was, like. was actually developing like uh, like a car, and it was like an adventure. It was cool. It was a car. He was developing some car. It didn't go down. And he was saying, "Hey, why? I, you know, this was a business idea. I should get my losses." And the government said, "No, no, no, no. This is not a business." But he treated it as an adventure and. The <laughs> and the, the, the court originally accepted it. So now, of course, the government losing on that case have now said, okay, we can apply this to other areas. Let's apply it to real estate. And so you see this all the time. And that's what their language is. So the six factors. So Fabio was right. He, you know, you're looking at really, he nailed it on the head. What is your intention? That really should be the, in my view, in the court's view, that's one of the main factors. But then there's other factors. So you look at what type of property is sold. Now, this is sort of interesting because... So let's just look at six factors the government will consider. On this one, if you've sold a property, a real property in Canada, they assume, oh, well, real property is valuable and it's increasing. So you must have had an intent. So the fact that it's a real property in Ontario or in Canada, that must mean that you must have had a business intent because you can see the appreciation. So it's sort of not fair. So that factor is almost... Uh, a a a factor that doesn't really because they're always it's always against you so that's one factor that the government will say oh well you must have known that the properties are increasing in Canada now that wasn't always the case I don't know Tom I you I gave you my age you look pretty young too I'm not sure your age but you went through the 90s and
0: yeah, I was 32. Uh, Yeah, I'm 47 and our family almost went completely bankrupt in 1990 in the real estate crash.
2: Yeah. So (laughs) you saw, so there was a time that real estate actually went down. So from 1990 to let's say 1996, values traditionally were were going down. They weren't going up. But so that is if you sold anything in the last 10 years, the assumption on the one factor, you've already lost on that one factor. You don't even have to say anything. They're going to say, well, it was obviously you wanted to intend to flip it. The second one is how long have you owned the property? So that is where you get into, again, the presumption of the government is if you sold it for less than a year, you must have had in your mind a reason to sell. Now, I'll get to your point where you say, well, people can change their mind. Absolutely. The question is, you've got to document and you've got to show why. So we had cases where we had a cottage, for example, and they were able to show that after they bought it, the the next door neighbors were throwing, they were doing it on Airbnb. They had parties, so they had to call the police. So we had police reports to show them, look at the problems that they had with this property. So there was a changing event. Some changing event, an intervening event that changed their perspective on the property. Yeah,
0: but okay, so that, and that's fair, and I can appreciate that from the government's point of view. But what about if it's just that we don't like the size of the family room that we thought we were going to enjoy? Yeah. I should have the right to then move yeah, without, so- without the government telling me, well, you did that to flip, this is a business. No, and I could have lived there less than a year, and the property market goes up, yeah. So now I'm losing on two points already. You are so the, the only thing. The <laughs> I like how you just say yeah. yes. You are, and, but and keep you in mind, Tom. Are. is... This an
2: advocate is, for the tax. Yeah, no, no, not the and, CRA, right? And at the end of the day, this is this is what you're coming against for the CRA. So which is say, good to know. And yeah, I appreciate like at least it, yeah. this is what this is what you're dealing with. So ultimately, though, your your response to that is okay, what about the financing of this property? So if you had the ability, like if you had no, if the government sees that you're really tight with the money, you don't have, you had to borrow three mortgages, You your income doesn't support that property, and their mind, they're looking at, okay, even if you tell us pr- the primary intention was to live there, you must have had a secondary intention to sell. And the reason we can impute that is we can see that you have three mortgages. You were paying X amount of dollars. So it was a good bet that it's not really the family room that you didn't like. It was you were being squeezed financially. And so this makes it more of a speculative buy. And that speculation, just as if you're buying, selling stocks, the speculative nature
0: makes that in their view more of an adventure in the nature of trade. So are we getting to the good news at some point? Well, <laughs> the good news—the good news is knowing you, right? Well, the good news is knowing you,
1: and Fab, yeah, yeah. But you see the difference <laughs> totally. in the way that he speaks about things and I speak about things. I mean, you and I have had multiple conversations about tax. I probably have, from a formal education perspective, probably I took the in-depth, right? So I probably have the same amount of formal tax education uh, as Joseph. But he approaches it in a completely different manner. Whereas if I gave Joseph um, you know, tax software to start putting together returns and start filing forms and start dealing with the administrative side of it, it wouldn't be efficient, right? So you're going to see here in this conversation something that your listeners probably have not heard before, and that's the approach of a
0: lawyer, to tax. Yeah, the benefit of having the right team is because you'll do the tax efficiencies and set things up properly to to make the tax most efficient that we can make in a legal way. But then Joseph's coming at it from the legal way to do it. Like here is the legal way that the government is going to analyze the the structure that you've set up. What so evidence is a, it's are a powerful they going to want? combo? Yeah, yeah. I How is it.
1: the evidence yeah. going to be presented? Right? I get it. Yeah. So it, there's plenty, even though he's a litigator. What he's going to talk about, there's plenty of uh, value-add planning totally. opportunities I here. Totally, get it.
2: And, and we'll get into some of this. So, so one factor that could actually benefit is whether you've done this before. So what is the history of similar transactions in the past? So if you, in that situation, if you've now, in the last three years, have flipped three properties, then that gives the government an idea. This is more Th- That one I will business. concede. That okay. one okay. I will concede. So so like, it, okay, but, yeah. but a lot of times it's the first time. We'll have a situation where there is no pattern. It was, as you said, and, you know, don't forget, the government comes to the audit three, four years after the fact. So a lot of times what we like to show is not only the past, but the, also the future, if it helps us to say, hey, listen, after they found their dream home and their proper home in that, in that context, you look at they stayed in that home. So you know there you have to you that is more persuasive now to the government to actually show them that not only show them there was nothing like this in the past but look at also what happened in the future. Now you do have cases where people are flipping every year and in those cases you usually have to pick your poison. You you say okay for this property yeah, we'll accept it but for these properties there was clear intent to live there they actually moved in and we can document why they had to change their their ideas. So bad neighbor something they didn't like structurally. And usually you would expect to see that in, uh, in email, you a letter to your builder, a letter. So then the question is, what are you showing? And that's where, where I'm looking at, what's our evidence? Because again, the government's going to assume as a taxpayer that you're going to say whatever you whatever the government you're going to say whatever you want to get the best result so it's not necessarily the truth you're going to say anything that gets you out of this so if someone tells you oh no tell them this is the intent tell them that you you know you wanted you were going to marry and something the government knows that so ultimately prove it documented so we've had a lot of cases where for example somebody wanted to move in a home they were in a relationship and the relationship broke down Again, that's an intervening event, something that was unexpected that would change the trajectory
0: of well, now you got it. You I just I, just, I just, I just, yeah, I just hate to live in a world where I have to prove to the government what I'm doing and why. So, this is why, Joseph, you're a good guy, I can tell. But Reverse, this, this is this is this is why I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, in this no, conversation, I, I but it's it. valuable. But let, okay, so let's keep going. The fourth, what, what's the fourth so one? So the,
2: the fourth one is whether the seller did any work on the property. Now, so it's kind of like, did they do anything to increase the value? This is, in, in my view, usually when we're dealing with this, this factor is always neutral because of course you're going to do work to make it specific to the wants that you have. If it happens to increase the value, fantastic. But you do have situations where sometimes somebody will put something that is, god awful it's terrible but in their culture that's something that they would actually want so then you can say hey this nobody when you're selling to the general public would want this piece of architectural this design but from their cultural perspective yes it would make sense so that's something where you can use that to your advantage but usually we look at that as neutral because you're entitled most people build the house and they build it the best possible way nobody builds a house for themselves and then want you know shoddy materials so the fact that you know you look But this would be a situation, let's say a reno, you take a bungalow and you do these renovations, you you make it beautiful, and then all of a sudden you flip it within a short period of time. So usually that factor by itself is meaningless without tying in with either one of the other factors, for example, a shorter period of of ownership. So there's no
0: percentage on the value spent against the property or anything that dictates the work is, uh, I don't know, excessive and obviously for flipping? That's a good question. I'm, I'm sure there was,
2: there would be cases where would, they would break it down. But because this factor, I would say, is never determining. determining fix, it's, the other it's just factors, something yeah. that's thrown okay. in. But your point is that would be uh, would be interesting. Because, But I, I would argue that it really depends. Because how do you know the return you're going to get? Now, it could be argued, like, for example, now having a pool in, in times of COVID where people can't go out, maybe having a pool might be something that would increase the value. But generally, I would say it's more neutral. But uh, right. I haven't seen anything specifically. But that would be an, a good way to address it in court to say, well, wait a second, what what percentage are we talking Yeah, here? and
0: for whatever reason, it must be in a different scenario. I had heard something around 80%, but I you know, I don't know how it was calculated. I don't know what that was specifically about. So
2: yeah. Okay. Let's move on. what's the fifth one? So uh why the property was sold. So again, that, that comes down to your intent again? Yeah, that, that is sort of tied in a little bit to your intent, but that is your intervening event as to why you had to sell it. So are you selling because you are squeezed with, with capital? Are you, is it more financial? If you say, well, I had to do it, some people just say they, they're honest and they just say, I, I couldn't carry it. And the government looks and says, okay, why not? If it is that you're saying, hey, I, was, uh, I had a good job and then I lost my job, Or I was expecting to get a bonus and this year they canceled the bonus or I didn't hit my targets so I didn't have the money and that kind of set me back so I had to sell. But these will be all looked at to look at, okay, overall, why do you have any reason? And it could be telling, again, in the case you broke up with somebody, uh, you got a new job, you had to move. These things would all be relevant. And when they support the taxpayer, I would say these are some of the determining factors because they go to why you would have but for the event- that was unforeseen, you wouldn't have sold the home. And again, so that goes back to your right on the original what what is your intent? And that basically, you know, is the you know, the seller's original intent is the last factor. And you can kind of tie in everything really comes back to all those four factors, five, you know, six factors or five come back to what was the original intent? And the government will assume the original intent on all of these things. Now, there's a couple of you know caveats you will look into, again, if the financing was high. Another thing that is not mentioned in this factor is what do you do for a living? Are you a real estate agent? Are you a builder? Or are you, you know, an engineer that actually does structural homes? If you have some sort of education background that is tied in to real estate in some way some capacity the government's going to presume nah you you knew this is more business you know what you're doing uh, and I would say that yes but you know the the retort to that any real estate agent builder is, well, hold on. Are you saying a real estate agent is never able or a builder is never able to go into a home, realize they want to move on and sell it? They're never entitled to a principal residence unless they have held on to it for 10 years. I don't think that's the rule. And I think the government would look at that history uh, they may look negatively, especially if you do have, in, in the case of a real estate agent or a builder, but the court will look at sort of a bigger picture. We'll look at all the factors and generally get a sense. See, don't forget, the, the, the government, uh, they assume the taxpayer is not necessarily being truthful.
0: Whereas a court, oh, so they assume we are liars. We're assuming, that and and there is. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, out of the gates, we're just assuming you're lying to us. They, yeah. They'll
2: never, they'll never admit that. You know, they'll never admit no, that. No. And and usually, you no, know, but
0: the the structure of the whole conversation is that that's what they believe. And I'm I'm just laughing. It's just hilarious. Well,
2: you know the funny thing is, a lot of times they come and they'll say, "We're here to help you." Yeah. Oh yeah. No, mm-hmm. you know, I it's, know. It's, yeah. you
0: know, Show it's us everything. It's the wolf I'm in here. sheep's clothing. <laughs> you know, they'll yeah. they'll come in. Saying, Anyone who comes to me saying I'm here to help you when I just meet them, I'm running the other way <laughs> yeah. immediately. It's like the crack dealer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This one's free, but <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. helping you. Got you out. on the on next feel, one. You're gonna I'm going to give you a break on this yeah. HSD over here. I'm going to nail you over here. Oh yeah. Okay, got it. Got and it.
2: and uh, Fabio, wrote, he, he raised a good point about, you know, there, there is an onus. There is an old, uh, you know, uh, something that's sacrosanct in tax litigation and tax stuff that uh, when the government assesses you, whenever they make a factual determination, assumptions about what you did and why you did it, those assumptions are deemed to be true. You as the taxpayer have the onus. To show that it actually wasn't true. What the heck? So the is reason that? the reason that is what the okay. Heck is so that? you're freaking me out. Okay, so just just so you can
0: go. I and, know you're on our side too. Like yes, I understand just, you're on, but,
2: but there is there is some there's there's some part of what you're, of you're saying
0: is making me want to leap across the desk here and get you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, but let let me so let me clarify though yeah. what that means though. So the onus is on it's a balance of probability. So I like to say the fifty one percent standard. It doesn't mean once the government has an assumption. It goes on the criminal standard beyond all reasonable doubt, like you you can't overturn it. So all you have to do is say that it's a little bit more likely that what you say is true. So then the reason this is, is because the government and the, the court assume that you as a taxpayer, you know your own affairs. So who better to prove it than you? You can get these documents. You can get this information. So the government can only, you. they're only looking at what you really show them and what they see. Again, another thing okay. is Google. Okay, I,
0: I, I see the context now. I and still don't like it. Yes, it, but
2: and there is a, again a caveat. It depends on when the government comes to you. So there there are what's called a normal assessment period is 3 years from the date of an assessment. So for example, you you do you did your 2019 tax return recently, you'll get an assessment so that'll be dated October, let's say 2020. The government then has 3 years, so they would have until October of 2023 to assess that. In that, any assumptions, anything they find, the government would have that they would have the benefit of our assumptions are valid okay if they decide to assess after and sometimes it happens they do because
0: i thought it was seven years n- n- well no, that, that's, the, that's okay a that's a misnomer because okay. of
2: that's the uh, the amount of years that you have to retain your records yeah. but when it comes to personal records you know if you if you intended to live this a, as a personal property those are really business records your personal records you, you're not necessarily keeping everything if you really intended to be personal but so that's where there's that misunderstanding so if the government now wants to is they can, but they have to show two things. They have to show that there was a mistake on your return, a misrepresentation. They so now it. the
0: onus is on them a little bit? Correct. Okay.
2: Now they have it on on that. Now notice. we're talking. Yeah. So now, but again, 51%, but now they have to show you. But I can tell you. Uh, <laughs> A lot of times when the government, they don't look at that. They just assume they can still, even if it's statute-barred year, we have to remind them, hey, you know this is in a context of a statute-barred year, we call it. So if they want to assess, they have to show there was a mistake. They have to prove the facts and that that the mistake was attributable to at least negligence. So now some sort of mens rea in your mind. So, what was going on? So, it's not good enough to say, well, we assume because you didn't report it, this was you, you, you know, we, we can open up the year. No, they can say, well, we assume you, you didn't report it. And the fact that you're, we have a letter from your accountant telling you you have to report it and you ignored that advice, we're going to say now you knew going in, you had to report this. You purposely cho- chose not to. And usually, uh, you, most of the times, if it is your, you know, if they come, Fabio gets asked a question, I'll let Fabio speak for himself, but if he gets asked a question, you know, I, listen, I, I sold my home. Is it taxable? Fabio, first thing is going to ask is, did you live in the home? Yes okay. Fabio might go into more detail. You know, He might know the the history. But overall, he's going to say, well, there's the principal residence exemption. So as long as you own the home, you live there as your principal residence with your family, or even if you had a child who lived in the home and you owned it, you're only entitled to one principal residence, then there is no tax. It would be considered a capital transaction, and you'd be entitled to the principal residence. As long as the entire time that you owned the property, you lived in the property. There is a plus one, though. Fabio can get into that. There is a little bit of a formula because it allows you to technically own two principal residents because in the year let's say you sell your home and let's say you sold your home last month now you buy a home technically in the year you have two principal residents so the government actually gives you a plus one so even if one of the years you didn't live in the principal residence as your as, as or in the home as your principal residence you still get the benefit of the complete principal residence exemption there is also something that uh, you know this. Joseph is, you
0: must love this stuff he loves oh. it. <laughs> you know this stuff so well, well. It, it's not Holy you, know, it, smokes, it, we, we you it smokes man good for you we, we need people it. like you. This is Thank really you. valuable. Holy. And you see in a situation
1: shit. like this, right? <laughs> when <laughs> people shit. come to the accountant's office, I'm making these decisions on the fly. We've got, you know, hundreds of tax returns that we have to file. So I'm not gonna sit there unless the client is willing to pay my hourly rate. I'm not gonna sit there and draft a memo outlining the fact pattern, comparing it against these six um, these six criteria, so on and so forth spend an entire day to determine whether or not something is a principal residence or not the client calls me and says hey i flipped i sold this property not flipped. let's not use that language but i sold no, this now property. i know this is yeah.
0: very bad language sold i, I, I bought sold the and property. then at some point i sold i'm going to go through my I'm own i'm not going to use flip anymore y- you're a quick yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> i'm going to use my own mental checklist hey did you live in it yeah can you prove you lived in it sure all right perfect why'd you sell it Because of A, B, C, D, and E, I wanted to move um, to this other area with a better school zone, let's say, for example. Okay, To me, this sounds, on a balance of probabilities, like a reasonable reasonable conclusion that it was the principal residence. So we're going to report it as the principal residence. But we need to make these decisions on the fly, because it's not like people come to us mid-year when they sell the property. They're coming to us the next April when we're in the weeds preparing their tax returns, Right. And it's like, okay, I sold this thing eight months ago. Now I have to report it. And I say, hey, listen, you report it as a as a capital transaction. It's either a taxable capital transaction or it's non-taxable. Principal residence. We go through the criteria very quickly and we make the determination. Right. But now we're getting over to what Joseph's talking about. And you look at the detail that he's going into. He's outlining the entire fact pattern and he's Let's say let's say finessing it on the on behalf of the client in order to present the evidence in such a manner that it's almost concrete no, it does meet the requirement because if you open up the income tax act and you look at the principal residence exemption, it's not going to give you you know twenty pages of criteria. it's a very short it's a very short provision
0: Holy smokes. the so criteria is, comes from experience so and
1: and past court cases and past uh past decisions
0: made by the CRA so the reason you guys know each other is you've seen this blow up on tax returns I guess and then you you found Joseph I don't know if you guys knew each other before and he's been helping people It's back and forth yeah it's because you're seeing CRA come back to people saying this is and you're I guess you're seeing cases where people were in fact buying and selling as a business so they don't get the primary uh primary place of residence exemption and but they're but they're claiming they should yeah. And this is where it gets And all they've crazy. been
1: assessed and, you know, and it could go to the point where, you know, we go back to what Joseph said. You don't want to just hire a lawyer to represent you right away. It could be that I, I, or the, the
0: client. I like the fact that you don't want to hire a lawyer right away because this is this this big game here that we're yeah. playing now, yeah. you know. Like, but you know, I mean,
1: it, it, oftentimes if, let's say, we want to make a, a response to uh, sure. to an yeah, auditor, sometimes what we'll do is we'll gather the facts hand it over over to uh, Joseph, Joseph will then ghostwrite the response. Mm -hmm. And then we go over it with the client, make sure that everything is good. And then we submit it for the client, right? So we're making sure that, Hey, this is something that could potentially go to court and it could cost the client quite a bit of money, but we don't want to look like we have our backs up against the wall, right? On the reverse, Joseph may contact me and say, Hey, I have this mess of a case. And we need the numbers put together, right? We yeah, need yeah. the returns prepared. Yeah, so that's a good team. Yeah, I get it. So you Joseph will it. hire okay. us. Joseph will hire us. Not, not the client directly. Joseph will hire us. Then de facto, we're actually providing legal advice. Mm-hmm. So we're protected. We can't be forced to testify. Got it. There there is that distinction because you you do whatever you tell your lawyer
2: is protected by something called solicitor-client privilege. That has not been extended to accountants yet. The accountants have tried. There have been many cases where they've tried to do it. But ultimately, I think there is some. So if you come to me and say you disclose nine properties that you hadn't sold before, but you're saying, Joseph, I just want to deal with this one. At least I know that. If, let's say, this was disclosed to Fabio and the government then brought Fabio and subpoenaed Fabio to show up to court, Fabio would have to tell the truth and have to say, yes, he disclosed to me that he had nine properties. That's going to kill the case right there. But for us, we can say, well, this is was protected by solicitor-client communications. Yeah, so that's sometimes, but it, it's not, you know, we we have a situation, usually I'm not rushing to get involved because I like to know the facts, but I'll look into a case, uh, Ted. I'll look at it as a situation where, What if I was the Department of Justice lawyer? So because if it goes to the next level, if it goes to the tax court of Canada, the Department of Justice law team then represents the Canada Revenue Agency. So I'm looking at it as how would I attack this? So when we're building, let's say, the narrative, what happened, then I want to make sure it's kind of the rule of probability. If you said you did A, then likely you would have done B, C, or D. So show me B, show me C, please show me D, or... What really happened? Yeah, I <laughs> and I it. can have that fair comfort because once the client knows that I'm not here to hurt them then and also whatever they tell me is protected then that opens it up so they can actually tell me and a, a lot of times it's
0: amazing that the actual truth is better than whatever they were trying yeah, to Yeah yeah cuz sometimes people hide their wrong they think they're hiding something important and it's really like what the heck is Exactly just that?
2: like that missing the seven years. Oh no no I kept it for seven. Well it doesn't matter yeah. about that. Like it, it's it's an irrelevant point plus actually it hurts the case. So when you break it down and you get to the truth usually more times than not the truth actually helps us because you're right now the taxpayer is trying to determine and it's
0: based on misinformation so there's no way i guess and i guess i can't use the small business tax rate here because i'm just thinking like okay forget it i'm not going to buy and sell homes personally i'm going to incorporate i'll buy the home inside a corporation this this involves a lot of different financing p- problems or difficulties right, But let's right. avoid all that just for a Imagine second we don't have that yeah problem. we don't have that we buy them inside a corp and then now you know for the first five hundred thousand dollars it's twelve and a half percent Correct, and now I'm declaring this that I'm buying and selling homes as a business, and the first five hundred thousand dollars of net income a year is business income. No, taxed at twelve tax and a half percent. That's not too bad. Am I am I missing something here?
1: Remember, that's a deferral. That's not ultimately a tax savings. You you want you want ultimately capital gains is taxed at half the normal rate. Always remember. Okay. Yeah, got it. But if
0: it's taxed at half the normal rate, mm-hmm. taxed at half the normal rate, got it. So even inside a corp, yeah, but I guess where I'm coming from is I'm saying, yeah, I am doing this. I am buying and selling properties. Yeah,
1: then you're you're almost like a, a, a developer, developer, a little developer. Yeah. You're yeah. a mini developer. A mini, a mini developer. Yes.
0: And then I get I get twelve and a half percent on the first five hundred thousand You still have to that.
1: watch out for the HST issues. Yeah. If you make okay. a substantial okay. HST, renovation HST, yep. or a new build, yep. there's the HST issue which yeah, I forgot about the HST. Right. Don't yep. forget about yep. that. So it's it's if you've determined that you are in the business of selling anything you know, paper, properties, it, it doesn't matter. You've made that determination. Your intention is to buy, do something to the property and sell it. Then you go to the next step. Let's not hide behind yeah, you know, got it. Uh, some sort of a tax loophole. Let's structure it properly. So, so what would right? you so,
0: okay. So tell me, I'm coming to you. How do I structure this? I'm going to buy and sell some properties. In an ideal world. Yeah. We're going to incorporate a company,
1: And you're going to do it all through the corporation, but we're not living in an ideal world. You're going to have a hell of a lot of trouble getting financing for Mm -hmm. that as a new developer, right? As a new property flipper, because the banks and the lending institutions are going to look at you and say, you have no history here. What is this company that you just incorporated? Even if I can
0: close on it, I'm definitely personally guaranteeing everything.
1: Exactly. So what we have is we have this discrepancy between what you're telling the lenders and, you know, that's not my expertise. You know, you have plenty of people that are experts at that. But, and then the, the, running the business as a corporation, right? So it's always a gray area. But in an ideal world, if you do not need the income that you are producing from this business personally, I always love to pop it into a corporation because I can get a deferral and then...
0: When you say get a deferral, what does that mean? I don't. You're paying tax understand. at,
1: let's say, 12.2%, 12.5%, whatever okay. it is. Okay. Instead of paying it at your marginal personal tax rate, which could be up
0: to 53.5%. Okay, that's 8%. talking... When you talk in that language, that's you say deferral? Yes. Deferral to me implies I'm going to pay it later. So you you're, you're saying later. when you're taking the money out of the corp, yes. then you're getting hit. Okay. Exactly. Got it. Because you're going to got pay it. yourself the with a dividend,
1: page. right? Yep. So if I can defer, that's where my, this is my job is, okay, we've established that we can can defer the income. We're going to report it as such so that you'll be in compliance. Now I'm going to plan moving forward. How can we keep that deferral going? Can we shield the tax using a life insurance policy and an investment via that particular route? Can we use CCA if we're going to buy rental properties? So on and so That's where planning comes into play, right? But we need to make sure that our T's are crossed and our I's are dotted at the onset just in case the CRA comes back and we need a guy like Joseph to defend us because one of the big points Joseph made that I think is very important is documentation if your mm-hmm. intention is to do that's something cl- that's become very clear let's, to me let's document it you know very simply joseph in a previous conversation joseph was talking about okay look you moved into this property and you sold it six months later whatever it is prove that you moved into it you know so you have all these myths that if i live in the property for a year you're good or if or i change, change your, my change your driver's license, change your driver's license. that's the big okay. one to me i changed my driver's license mailing yeah address. i changed my my mailing address right yeah, i got a newspaper but, delivery but if if the auditor, if there's enough money involved, if the auditor knocks on the neighbor's door and says, hey, "Did you ever see this guy here?" Oh, because they'll do that. I, they could do whatever they yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, got it. Right. Or if the if they go onto I your Facebook, if they go onto your Facebook and they 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 do go, yeah, Facebook on, would be on, the big on, one,
0: yeah. right? They Google, and, and, they Google, yeah. the CRA will Google 100%. your name, so yeah.
1: you
2: can't say. So you know, usually if we have a real estate agent, let's say who became after we we we, we full disclosure, we tell, them, listen, this guy became a real estate agent. After the fact, but way back in 2015, he was a pup. He was a kid. He was just graduating school. So again, you got to give that context. That's but if they feel that you don't say anything, then they then it kind of reinforces you're not being honest with me. You're not telling me fully. So usually we come in and say, hey, this is full disclosure. Even if they haven't found it, likely they may. And got you know, it. so you- it's
0: important to have everything clear up front. It's going to work to your advantage. And, and For, the more like, and evidence, the better. If
1: you have, if you have, you know. Your Instagram feed is showing that you're having parties at this house, your friends are over, your parents are over, you're like, hey, here's the house. I, I lived in it. I enjoyed it. And then circumstances changed six, eight months later, whatever it is. I, I believe that you have a stronger argument because it's like, hey, it's not like I have to go back and re-engineer this. I I, I moved there. I lived there. At the time that I bought it, I could afford it. I have no history of flipping properties whatever it may be right and this is maybe the the light at the end of the
2: tunnel i can guarantee that the cra individual would be is going to be reasonable and if they come in with their assumptions, and let's say they don't hit it off because, let's say, the taxpayer was rude to them, hung up on the phone the first time they called, or kind of was—you know—most people are nervous when the CRA walks totally. in. Yeah. So, but the government assumes. Especially with all that, the scam calls
0: now, exactly. you don't know if it's a CRA or not. Right. So, right. I, you know, we try to tell. I try to tell
2: the client, listen, did you were you rude to the? So then I can you know try to if I'm involved to try to say, listen, they were rude, but they don't forget they had a bad day and they they've received a lot of these scam calls. The government knows about this, so then they puts them in a different mindset. So you want to look at it as this should be collaborative, because I always go to a CRA person and say, I want you to do your job. I want you to catch the people who are actually purposely avoiding, not the person who lived in a home, decided truthfully they didn't like it, and now decided to move somewhere else. In my view, that's not what the legislation was intended. So, but all we, we don't know who the CRA, but I want to be in the best position so that if later we have to go to the higher-ups. There is actually an impartial review. It's called an appeals division within the CRA. Sometimes it's hit and miss. Sometimes you get really good appeals officers. Sometimes they just go in and they just tote the party line and just say, well, you're basically giving the same thing you give to the auditor, so I can't overturn that decision, even though that's not correct, because you have to look at it logically, and there's usually errors that the auditor made, because the auditor will do what's called an audit report, we would have access to the audit report and sometimes they throw in ridiculous things in the audit report that are not logical that don't make any sense that you can point that out and say look appeals officer this is what they said this is not factually correct and here's the actual proof and if at the appeal stage, if you do not, if you can't, then Wow, so you're it.
0: going to the appeal stage often, well, it Well,
2: you like. do. Yeah, well, that's usually For when him, I get yeah. involved yeah, because that's, that's, that's when I'm involved. Got it.
0: Sorry, because it's already been done. You're appealing it. Correct. Yeah, because yeah, okay. the
2: hope is that you can still convince the auditor. But sometimes once you realize this auditor, we've had cases where yeah. we think, you know, the auditor's made up his mind there's no point of giving them any more information. I'd rather save it for the appeals officer who's gonna look at it fresh than somebody who's already convinced. So then the next step after the appeal stage, if you can't resolve it, would be going to a tax court, you have to file what's called a notice of appeal to either the reassessment or the notice of confirmation, which is what the appeals division does if they confirm the initial assessment. So at that stage, I do know that majority of the Department of Justice lawyers are reasonable. So in they have cases, don't forget, where they see somebody selling nine homes and nine properties every year. They want to go after that guy. So if you can then say hey this yeah, is not it. like yeah. that case you you have a better chance it's it just what we try to do is we try to avoid i think i was talking to your brother nick you want to avoid lawyer you want to avoid courtrooms and hospitals if you can not yeah. because you just there's that unknown that you go to a courtroom depending on the judge depending on the day something you say and it sinks the case and now you're mm-hmm. you have to go to another federal for at that point you've already it's you've already lost the money of paying me it's taking and 10 now years. you have to pay yet yeah, you have to pay money to the the other side for losing the government So ultimately, you try to avoid that. And you do have many steps, opportunities, even at when, just because you go to tax court, you don't end up 95% of cases actually are resolved before actually having to step into a courtroom.
0: Jeez this this point number two on less than one year is that one more you know if you're in a property over one year does that automatically earn you it, it, it is all six factors yeah right together correct. i'm just trying to look for the black and white yeah. answer here hey it's <laughs> been a year today i'm good to go on you, this property you, you <laughs> have to follow the fact pattern <laughs> yeah got is, it yeah i see, if, I if, see. If, if the
1: listeners take anything out of I think this, my
0: nature is just trying to find the loophole or trying <laughs> to like bob and weave through whatever the government's throwing at me i think part of the reason that nick and i both got into real estate is that we looked at you know fab n- knows this about us we looked at monetary policy in in the economy and we're like hey wait a second real estate although it's difficult to get financing you're yep. dealing with the re- contractors tenants the whole bit, there's, tenancy. A reward. I, there's, there's a the reward. reward is that the monetary policy in the country of canada is going to reward me for owning a hard asset that produces income perhaps even unfairly and aggressively compared to income growth and the whole bit yep. it's part of the reason we got into real estate so i uh, so to me, it was like a bob and weave move, right? I saw the monetary policy set up. I'm like, I'm going to get into hard assets. It's why we talked about Bitcoin a little bit before we started this. And uh, when I'm hearing you describe this, Joseph, I'm, I'm like, where, where can I bob and weave here? <laughs> Even though I'm not doing this right now, Nick and I are buying and holding properties. But uh, I, I, still, the, I still want to know how to bob and weave yeah, my way through this. I would
1: say the biggest takeaway from all that, and the reason that I wanted to do this podcast and bring Joseph in is I wanted to, do, to dispel many of the myths that i'm hearing out on the uh, out, out in practice oh if you hold it for one year you're good oh if you transfer your driver's license you're good these are all nonsense you really really have to document what it is that you're doing and you have to look at the transaction in the context of the taxpayer and the context of other transactions that they're doing right so if you're constantly flipping homes okay if you didn't really live in the property you know, avoid this whole, I, I mean, I, I love giving you business, Joseph, but okay. avoid the whole, this whole uh, ordeal because it's not a fun ordeal going to battle with the CRA, going to battle with anyone in court, it's not a fun ordeal. And, well,
0: and to be fair, I think, you know, to Joseph's point, when people are just starting out, when Nick and I were starting out in real estate, sometimes you, don't you know. just don't know. You don't yeah. know. So like, we don't know about HST. We might be buying a property thinking we're renting it out. Then right. look at where prices go and like, oh my gosh, it's not it. a rental yeah. property anymore. We're flipping this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did we have to pay HST? I don't know. You, you know, so some of it is just innocence where you're just like, I had no clue and right. no one's really telling me. And then, you know, I didn't realize I was going to be held, proven guilty before, uh, before I could even talk. Yeah, but if you, stuff. if you document yeah, yeah now, now that's at the clear. beginning yeah. and you
1: have clear documentation and it's proof, it, there's proof, yeah. uh, right? That's going to help you out. It's going to, it's going to nip it in the butt at the audit level, rather than having to go to appeals, going to court, going to the federal level. Like it, it, it's, it, you want to make sure that your ducks are lined up and you know, you can show with beyond the shadow of a doubt even though that's not necessarily the the um, uh, level of evidence you have to prove, but beyond the shadow of a doubt, that what you're saying you're doing is what actually happened. Got it.
2: And, and it's important to note when you say guilty, it, it, this is civil, right? So there, there's no, yeah. you know, some people always say, I know, I am I like, going to jail? I, I, I you like know, we like the first thing. I accentuating this a little bit because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I find it so ridiculous, right. but yeah, I get it. it I it's get a it. civil standard. And and uh, one, if it's an income tax assessment, the other thing is even if the government is unreasonable and they do assess, if you file an objection and or later have to file a tax court, the government cannot collect on the amounts they assess. They have to give that Time, unless they think you are selling your assets and getting out of time, then they can do what's called the jeopardy order and freeze some assets. But for the most part, they will let that play out. So that's good. Unfortunately, on the HST GST side, because they look at that as trust funds, it's a trust that you should, have mm-hmm. you should have collected. Then you have to enter. I was never into, yours from the beginning. Chris. Correct. So then you look at it as okay. The you know we we try to then enter into a long term payment arrangement with the government. But but in in some cases, there's always some middle ground. Like it's very rarely is it 100%, you know, it's it's all or nothing. So even in the case of, let's say, we've had situations where we're not going to convince the government that they're entitled to the principal residence because we don't really have good proof that they moved in. Yeah, we got the driver's license, we got what they said, but nothing. There's nothing that you would. There was think, no big party.
0: Yeah, or yeah. Yeah, Facebook, anything, no pictures.
2: Yeah, any no no pictures, but also the, you know there was no internet on the home, there was no TV, there was you know none of the things. There was no furniture moving receipt showing you moved in beds and and all that good stuff. So then that leaves okay. You know what? We'll accept that you're not entitled to the principal residence, but. Give us a capital gain instead. Don't make it business income. And by the way, uh, we, we, we have a extra Because personally, just expense. to be clear on
0: that point, just because personally, if it's business income, you're, per, you're taxed at the personal rate. 100% yes.
2: of your personal. Uh, so you it, got 100,000 profit, 100 goes in. So if you're at the highest taxable rate, you're getting 53,000. As opposed to half of that, it would be you know a lot less. So at least there's some victory in that. Plus, then what we do is we try to, and this is where we get somebody like Fabio involved, a lot of times, because they think the whole thing is not taxable, they don't keep all the receipts. They don't keep all the the expenses. So the government doesn't know that. They're just assuming it's all profit, but usually it's not. So now you start building the Case for expenses, so now you're looking to mitigate. So where you have a weak case, or let's say a case that you know the government is not going to accept, it doesn't mean it's a hundred percent you're going to have to pay it. Now it's looking at Got okay, it. and then also the nasty thing is if the government now assesses penalties too, because that would be the government can assess penalties like interest
0: on when you should have paid. That no, the kind of interest
2: stuff? goes on there. So the interest rate right now is five percent of whatever tax is owed, and it would be from the
0: beginning 5%? Of time. Five yep. percent, yeah. and yeah. that's and not tax it deductible,
2: and it's not tight ta- And that was not actually used I like to be. like
0: how Fab saying this stuff. Look just. To make matters worse, this is not, not tax, not tax, tax. Well. and it
2: used to be six percent. It used to be back in five percent. No. Where are they getting these? No, rates but from? well, it's the bank account. It's like three percent above whatever the bank account rate is. It's variable. It. So at one time, like even in two thousand two, it was like ten percent, twelve percent. Imagine, but no, that's not even. That's not even. That's general interest. We're talking penalties, gross negligence oh, penalties, yeah. Big time. which is fifty percent of the tax that you avoided. So that fifty-three thousand the 100,000 profit 53,000 taxable half of that would be the penalty plus interest on the penalty so now that 26 27,000 turns into 35,000 so sometimes you can say listen they, they they were confused you know to your point they really didn't know they, they this is the first time they did this are you going to nail somebody with gross negligence penalties and the government's own audit policy is this is the first time they've come a, come, come against this. Got first it. First time under okay, audit. that's good to Give hear. Give them it. the benefit of yeah. the doubt. and But sometimes auditors forget that, especially if they think your client was a little rude to them. Or, or, there's, a get, or, or, or there's,
1: there's, there's a pattern. Or there's a pattern. And it's just the first time you got caught.
0: Just hearing this is making me reflect on my brother-in-law, uh, Italian guy, his cousin who's an older gentleman, very well off. And he said, basically, at the end of the day, what I've learned about Canada is we are all tax collectors for the government. I (laughs) happen to do it in construction. You happen to do it in engineering. You happen to do it in real estate. So we're all just doing our different ways to collect taxes. And I thought, you know what? It's true. We're all just tax collectors for the government. But okay. Okay. So that's, this is really important to know. And I just want to ask then on, on fab, when you said life insurance on that one, one mm-hmm. point about life insurance, when you're using corpse, mm-hmm. what did you, uh, cause I know we get so many questions on that. Yeah. Can you just quickly say, how did that help? If with a life insurance policy, if you're owning property and you're deferring your taxes, how does a life insurance policy help in that particular situation? I mean, this is a whole I know, I know, but just to give a little, and because we've talked about it before, but I know that comes up so often.
1: Yeah, so I often use it um, as a tax planning tool. You know, I'll use like a whole life policy with a cash surrender value. And um, what I'll do is I'll take excess funds that are sitting tax deferred in the corporation transfer them over a 10 or 20 year period to a policy that builds up an investment account, AKA a cash surrender value. That cash surrender value can be used on the outside of the corporation if done correctly to basically pay yourself a pension or to take a one time, uh, draw, let's call it. And then the death benefit can come for the most part, tax free to the corporation to pay, uh, the tax that's owing when the taxpayer dies. Okay, Got so it. Okay, a, and we don't have to go because yeah. I know
0: that's a big one. I just want to it's, share it's, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's, it's okay. a lot. And then what about like some, I would call it creative stuff. Like what happens if I, I'm living in my primary place of residence. Clear, it's my primary place of residence, but I'm going to buy a new place. I don't have to sell my primary place of residence, but I did set up a corporate structure. And my corporate structure is doing well enough that it can buy my current primary place of residence right. for me, from me. From yes. me, it doesn't have enough money in it. it so I have a million dollar property, right. but my my corporate structure has done pretty well. It has, you know, let's say two hundred fifty thousand dollars of of, or let's say five hundred. Keep it easy, five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars of cash. Right, and it's I sell my primary place of residence to my corp. And I then moved to my new house. The corpse gave me five hundred thousand, but it owed me another five hundred thousand. Owed me another because the property is worth a million.
1: Like a take back.
0: Yeah. So then, can I can I then extract from the corporate structure another five hundred thousand dollars? Without without paying there. without yeah. paying personal tax on before we even go there. You see what there. I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I see what you're saying. So you don't both, like it at all. You're just no, no, no. I, I mean, like, I look, really like All idea of these a lot. things are possible. I like this idea right? a lot. You're yeah. just you just dismiss. You're going to tell tax? me about the tree with the apples. Yeah. <laughs> Land transfer tax. <laughs> Land tra- No, there's things right? to discuss. What's your sure. what's
1: your what's the actual fair market value? Did you yeah. actually value yeah. it correctly? Yeah. What's yeah. the intention of the transaction? You're dealing with the corporation, which but now you're the I know, shareholder. Now I know
0: you and I know Joseph. I got the team. Yeah. We can make
1: this work. All of these things are possible, yeah. but there there's it's multiple planning. layers of, of um, there's multiple layers of planning that are involved and it's not a simple transaction it right yeah, do you, do you yeah know i know it, exactly and then he he
2: hit it on the head you got to get an appraisal because if if it is deemed because when you're dealing with your your own company joseph's getting excited it, over is, here no, no. i like how he gets excited about yeah. the tax Well, because then you get it into valuation because the government they have the cra have their own real estate appraisals team but no. for the oh they do they have yeah. their own specialists. Yeah, they do. yeah. so the the cra when the auditor says well we have to send this to our appraisal team and then okay and then you get it back and a lot of time i'm like you know what save them trouble here's a proper appraisal more times i think every time we've sent them a property They've said oh yeah they, they like your appraisal <laughs> they don't say but the question when the taxpayer says no we didn't do an appraisal we have no appraisal what do you think the fair market then you're, you're going to all of a sudden they're going to give some the highest possible you know out of left field, you'll you'll see a property that's in 2015 and they're giving it a value that's 2019 you're saying wait a second you're looking at current values you're not this was in 15 the market went up considerably in the last four years but uh you know i, I think it's interesting when when you're looking at your company if you're renting. So this is something where we, we didn't make the distinction between there is business income, there is principal residence exemption, and then there's that in between where you are holding property to rent. So it's a long-term thing. That's considered, when you sell it, it's considered on a capital account. So it would be capital gains. You still have to report it. You have to include all the expenses. But then when you look at it in a corporation, unless because it's considered passive income, you need to either have you know six employees. That are in the company or else you don't get that active business rate, you know, clearly. So that's something that, you know, we see all the time. Somebody says, well, I intended to, let's say, rent it out. Okay, let me see the MLS listing that you tried to lease it. Let's see
0: something at least to prove that. Concrete. Because in that scenario that you're discussing, they are saying they intended to rent it out because of what benefit? They, they they intended to rent it out for a long-term benefit. They, it was a long-term. You intended to endure. So it's capital endure. gain. Got it's it. Cap- wasn't Got it wasn't speculative. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't want to pay income on it. I want to get the capital gain. Correct. Correct. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Holy smokes, man. There's a lot, man. You know what? You know what's interesting, and when Nick and I started down this whole real estate adventure, I guess we were kind of in our twenties, pretty clueless. We went to some like something somewhere. Some accountant told us to set up three all these corporations, <laughs> and, and we went and did it. And it was pretty useless. I got to admit for like the first five to six years, but over time, as you grow a corporate structure in Canada properly with the right team. I can see the huge advantages of doing things inside corporations Yes, because when you have a team like yourself, Joseph and Fab U, and you do things properly, life insurance policies getting at now that we've done, you know, Nick and I've been doing this over 20 years now, I can see the value of getting the right team and getting a structure because it gives you so many options when you do everything personally. And I know we've been talking a lot about that. You're kind of, it, it's good. But the corporate structure just really allows you to do a lot of kind of creative things. But you need the right people setting it up properly. And to me, it's been worth the adventure of setting up multiple corps. We now have multiple corps and different properties, residential and commercial, life and whole life policies, the whole bit. And when you see it come together, I just wish that we, and it's beyond the scope of this podcast today, that this information was available to all of us like out of school. You know, like, Hey, you're getting, no. And, the I, way,
1: and yeah, the I, way I look at it is, is it's akin to working out, you know, you're in your early twenties as a guy and you just want to get jacked. So you yeah. start working out and you go in and you don't, you don't warm up you're and you, yeah, yeah. You, you're going and you're getting results. So, you know, then you hit your forties and why the hell does my shoulder hurt? Why does my knee hurt? And you're falling apart. Had you taken your time to learn, and invested in learning at the beginning and maybe even spent a little bit of money, hire a, a really experienced personal trainer and taking a little bit of time. You're not, you know, don't get jacked right away. Take your time to, to get then in 20, Just
0: like the gym in your 20s around money, you're looking for the quick and easy money. Exactly. Like we're all like, and how you'll do get you it. make you'll the money it. quick and fast? Yeah, you know? and you'll get it. Yeah, you'll yeah. get the quick get, and easy money yeah, and you'll get the possible. quick and easy results, yeah, yeah.
1: but you're going to pay the price down the road when the CRA comes or knocking or when you're in the physiotherapist's room Fixing the screwed up shoulder because you were doing 250 pound bench presses without warming up, right? Got it. It's the same thing in yeah, anything yeah. in life.
0: It is. It is. So, Joseph, I don't know. Is there more that we wanted to discuss here? Is that the, uh, the crux no, of it? No, I think yeah. when
2: it comes to that, and, and I think the other yeah. point when, when it comes to the structure that Fabio was mentioning is when you have that corporate structure, and you probably have it where you have a holding company. So you can dividend up to your holding company tax-free. So let's say the profits now when you're when you're using a, a company structure, then that company can buy real estate. So even though you're deferring weight, but at least now the extra half, let's say on 500,000, you're saving that 250, two, three years, two, three transactions, now you have 750 that you would have otherwise had to have paid out so in, in taxes that can be used it's really honestly. good yeah. it takes oh. a
0: long time it's it's playing the long game like that's playing the, I, I swear the first few years Nick and I filed taxes on of these right. corps I'm like Nick I think we have fifty bucks in the holding corporation. Like, what? Are, uh, but but we spent. It like, pays off though. Yeah, it pays off. It pays off. It totally yeah. pays off. And it's a, it is a conversation for 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 another day. But Joseph, this is a pleasure to meet you, man. Like, no, really, was, this is re- my pleasure. Yeah, 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 really valuable. How do people find you? Fab, we'll give out your contact information yeah, sure. as well. Joseph, how do people find you? A Website, email, what? What's yeah, the best? I
2: do uh, I do have a website. So uh, the website is uh, www.loprestilaw.ca. Uh, it's under uh, currently construction. <laughs> <laughs> and so because <laughs> you're too busy getting, reading the tax code yeah, you don't have I've, time to put a website together so we we're, we're working on it so we should have something but they can email me joseph at loprestilaw.ca
0: okay and we'll link um we'll link out to the website even is it uh, like something's there at Lopresti? Yes, okay y- yeah, so we'll li- if you're listening to this on the show notes for this episode at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast we will have loprestilaw.ca linked there so if you're driving or something and you can't get to it we'll have it Wonderful. um cool uh, Joseph. Yeah. Thank you. And then uh, Fab, it? what's the best way for you? Website? I mean, com- I have a couple of websites, but just go to cmllp.com. Okay. cmllp.com. That's it. And, your, and then just so we're clear, Joseph, your ideal client is somebody who is going down this path or know that they're about to go down this path. Is that who your client is?
2: Yeah. I mean, typically we actually get most of our referrals from accountants. So okay. you know, because our first thing is, do you have an accountant? And if not, that's usually part of the problem. So I can then team them up with somebody. Usually, I try to match the personality, and so I, I could recommend somebody like Fabio, depending where they are, jurisdiction wise. I'll recommend somebody else, and ultimately say, go to see them first. Let's see if we can clean them up. In that case, I would retain Fabio to say, hey, let's try to clean up the past. But uh, typically, it's anybody who's a business owner, anybody who's uh, has some concerns. Uh, and we're talking big, I and mean, we've had people call or, uh, off the website say, you know, I got a 10000 or $2,000 problem. Okay, by the time I look at it, my <laughs> hourly rate, it's probably mm-hmm. not cost effective to get me involved. So if we're talking big numbers, if there's a... Possibility of penalties. Uh, I don't say you don't necessarily have to worry. If you have a good accountant, talk to your accountant first, because the accountant will get a sense of the the weather in the, the room. The scope to see. of this thing, okay. and see does do we need to really have somebody in the background, even not to have them formally involved, but just kind of monitoring the communications, just to see, okay, maybe don't put this in, maybe you know focus on these two points, and that's it, because you don't want to necessarily go down the road if you can avoid it. So I would say that really go to your accountant when your accountant looks puzzled or your accountant panics, then that's probably a good time
0: to, to see a tax lawyer. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then Fab, and then Joseph, by the way, I'm, I'm, you're leaving with a book here today called the Bitcoin standard. And the yeah, way so that, that you read the tax code, next time you come on here, we're going to have a hmm. quiz about the book where I'm just okay. g- randomly going to pick pages. And then, cause I, I'd, I'd love you to dive into that book so that I can pick your brain about this stuff. Sure. But Fab, what is uh, your, your ideal client right now for you guys?
1: My ideal client right now is a um, small business owner. Right, who's starting to uh, accumulate wealth and wants to know what to do with it? Does that
0: include someone who is not running an active business, but they're starting to accumulate property, or is that different for you?
1: Yeah, if they're accumulating significant uh, a significant uh, amount of property, that's probably the best the best time to start contacting me because I, you know, I'm an accountant, but I'm also a financial planner. Got it. So, is there right. a
0: threat? Like, is you know, like after three properties, four properties, five properties? Is that I'd the say, range, yeah. So not, not the first or three, second property. The first
1: or second property, I might be overkill for you. Okay,
0: right. But after three, start to yeah. to reach out. Okay, once you have three or more. Okay, uh, you probably. And then we'll have your, like your like URL that. cmllp.com linked on the website as well. Yep, guys, really, really, you know, you didn't have to do this, so really appreciate it. Fab, oh, thank pleasure. you. You're the one who came up with the idea for doing this. Really yes, appreciate it. helps. helps. Yeah. and Joseph, real pleasure meeting you. Oh, thank it was you so much. Pleasure in mine. Awesome, cool guys. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Fabio Campanella and Joseph Lapresti. Really enjoyed that myself. I want to bring Joseph back on with Fab to talk more about what CRA is looking at in you know, the lives of Canadians so that we can all plan accordingly. He's just a wealth of information. I actually had a really great chat with him afterwards. So a really good guy. Um, so thank you again, Joseph, for doing that. If you are listening to this and you want some real estate investing information for yourself, you can download one of the free copies of our books at www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. And listen, if you are listening to this, we are not trying to do any of this so that people can become landlords or real estate investors. We are doing this because we want everyone to live life on their terms. And we believe real estate can be a small part of that equation for yourself. So that's it for now. Until next time, your life, your terms.